I'm going to dismiss children ages four to fourth grade for junior church at this time. As you go, I'm going to ask you, if you would, to um, turn uh, with me in your Bibles. I'm, I'm uh, going to use the text of uh, part of that scripture that uh, Pastor Mark read earlier in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. But I want to also uh, just um, go back to the Old Testament portion of scripture. I'm not going to take you back there as a turn to it, but uh, I would like to just uh, call your attention to it because the way the scriptures fit together and the purposes of God and the marvelous illustrations that God gives us are for life and they are for uh, enhancing our lives uh, as we minister to the Lord. The Lord has called you. If he has called you to everlasting life, if he has called you to salvation, then he has called you as a minister, a servant of his word. And so when we hear Paul, for example, in the uh, letter to Corinthians, he speaks about uh, his ministry. Well, he's, he represents all of us, that we have a God-given, a God-ordained calling in our lives and a ministry to fulfill. We fulfill it in our homes. We fulfill it in our role as dads and, and moms and grandparents and uncles and aunts and, and related people throughout the body of Christ. We represent him in the area of our work, in our education, in our recreation, in the time we spend. All of it's in the calling of God. And I want us to look today as we look to this portion of scripture with wonder at the grace of God for us in this day and age, and to be encouraged as we go out of here because what we have is transformation in the making. As we go through this scripture, I would say probably in my mind that key is his transforming grace in our lives. And uh, uh, so I would like for you to go to chapter 4 once again. But uh, as, I, as I enter into it, I want to um, <clears throat> um, go elsewhere as well. So when you look at chapter 4, keep your finger in 4, and you go back to chapter 3, and you see the whole beginning of that, ch of that chapter, and that chapter is uh, talking about uh, Paul's ministry, about who he is in Christ. And then in verse 5, he says, not that we are sufficient of ourselves. In other words, he's putting away all bragging, which we tend to do, even if it's in our own private world. But he says, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. In other words, it's all of God in a vessel that God has made, but it's all of God. He is our sufficiency, even though what he has created in us is the weakness in which he pours his grace in his presence again and again and again, enabling us 
to be his hands, his voice, his eyes, his feet in our culture, in our world. And uh, how wonderful that is as we enter into the fourth chapter. Now, I, um, I am looking at uh, all of this and I, I would say to you today that you have been given the grace and the power of Christ if you truly are born again. If you have committed your very life and you are his own blood-bought child by simple childlike faith, not the way you worship, not the way you dress, not the way you think, all of him, it's him poured out into these, we will liken them to what I put on the bulletin front was an earthen vessel kind of like the flower pots that Joan has in her little kitchen garden. And every once in a while, sitting through the weather, especially the dampness and the wet we've seen, some of those begin to crumble. And uh, uh, it isn't such a nice looking thing at all. And yet, if you leave that pot alone and there's cracks in it and you can actually see some of the root system and thing, there will be in the spring new growth and some Beautiful things often come out of cracked pots. And so, as we think of ourselves as on the potter's wheel, you know we've preached the potter's wheel before about the fact that uh, Jeremiah went down to the potter's uh, place and he saw that, that fashioning of that pot and it was marred in the potter's hands and so the potter just mixed it all up again and began that work of shaping and a thing of beauty came forth from it. And so today with all of that as our backdrop, I want us to look at, uh, especially at chapter four, at this verse, verse seven. But I, before we do that, I want you to understand that you are, if you are in Christ Jesus, that you have been uh, just... Uh, a vessel into which the grace and the presence and the power of Christ resides. And I say that because if you just quickly go to 2 Corinthians, same letter, but go to verse uh, chapter 12, and I want you to just look at uh, 9 and 10. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. This is God answering Paul at a time when he needed to sense God was gracious and God wanted to bring about in his body something wonderful. And he says, and he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for you. For you, Paul. For my strength is made perfect or mature, come of age, in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. In other words, that the power of Christ may be evident in me. Do you know how many people that I know as believers whose testimony takes on a brilliance when there's illness or when there's difficulty or when there are trials that we would never, never call upon ourselves? And yet it's in the midst of that that the beauty and the grace and the power of God is seen. 
time and time and time again in the church. And so he says that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. Now, I want you to understand the idea of pleasure is not something that you can see him jumping around the field there and just rejoicing that he's sick. But if you have ever been down and have become very aware of God using this time in your life to draw you closer in, that is pleasure in infirmity, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For, listen to this, this is key to what we want to say today. For when I am weak, then am I strong. That doesn't make a bit of sense in the economy of our day. In the way we perceive things. But here Paul is saying, when I am weak, then I am strong. What he's saying is, I can move this old ego aside and allow the glorious presence of God in the midst of my pain, in the midst of the place where God has called me to serve him right then, right there. I think uh, something that has been a supportive thought in me has been knowing Charlie and Lynn Moore uh, just the brief time I have known them over these few years. And then to see Charlie being brought so low, so very low, and yet in the midst of it all, the glory of Christ was evident in his walk. And then Lynn, on top of it all, Lynn has this Terrible time with her, her leg, her knee, and has surgery at Duke. And then after a year's time, you know, there's some concern about this. Are we going to have to put her on chemo and things like that? And then the other day, as they come out of Wyoming, they end up at Duke. And she gets a marvelous, marvelous report. Isn't that right? So praise God. Praise God. These things are so meaningful to us, and we can't allow them just to pass away from our thinking. We need to keep them alive in our thinking that God cares enough about us that he pours his grace and his strength and his very power into our lives, sometimes in the midst of great trial and suffering. It's, an, it's a miracle when a person like Paul can say, ah, I praise God for the position I've been on the wheel. Now, I believe God has to do work in our lives to bring us to that place, but that's what he's doing. He's working us. He's working us. Sometimes his hands upon our lives is heavy. We just see the result that comes off the wheel. It's a miracle. Have you ever watched a potter do his work? And to see this old lump of dirt just laying there, the mud on this wheel, and how that artisan fashions that, and it becomes a beautiful piece, and it can be very expensive because culture appreciates it. Our culture appreciates that beauty. 
And yet for the believer, how more marvelous it is that we can see God take a lump of clay. So be encouraged, folks. You may be right now feeling the heavy hand of the potter. You may find that that pottery is being broken. Well, we sang about it, didn't we? Mold me, make me, break me. Why would we sing something like that? It's because the imagery is that the potter has done this work and he has taken this earthen vessel, that's the human being, the makeup of the human body, this earthen vessel, and he has molded it. And as it is broken or cracked in the use, the beauty of what's within is seen in a way that otherwise it wouldn't be. By the way, do you remember the, uh, the Old Testament uh, from the book of Judges why um, the man of God, Gideon, was leading a little group of men, 300 men compared to a huge and enormous Midianite invading army. And he led them under the direction of the master potter. He led them to do this. He took those 300 men and he gave them each a clay jar. And within the clay jar, they had hidden torches. And those 300 men went out into the midst of this invading army, this enemy. And at the given time, the trumpet sounded and those jars were broken. And as they were broken, the light came forth. And it did its work. And there was victory in that broken vessel, in this myriad of broken vessels. I know we hold on and we treasure to those things. Sometimes our health is included. Sometimes our bodies, we want to just pamper and we want. But God desires. The earthen vessel, and not just, I'm just not talking about the body, but I'm talking about the mind and the mindset and who we are. We are not really valuable except to our potter. And we sing, oh, let the beauty of Jesus be seen in me. Remember that old, old song? Oftentimes it takes breaking before the beauty of Christ can be seen in the, in the individual. And so we look to the Lord and we give praise for the grace that he's given to us. Now the point is this as we go to this portion of scripture. You have been, first of all, we talked about it, you have been given a task, you've been given a ministry You've been given a purpose for living now that you belong to Jesus Christ. But you don't have the power in yourself. I don't have the power in myself to carry out the task that God has placed me here to do. You here to do. There's no way. It's not within us. The power of God himself 
And I would say this, of his spirit within the believer is what we're talking about. It's needed. He is needed. And therefore, Christ, in another portion of Scripture, Christ promises the church, the early believers, ye shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And so we have the power of God promised, the Spirit of God residing within the believer and promised. And the reason the Holy Spirit comes to the, every believer is to equip that person to fulfill that destiny, is that a good word? The purposes, the task of God in your living days upon the earth. The major purpose of the coming of the Holy Spirit to the church of God is to equip you to carry out your task, your ministry. And so I want us to look at this and taking uh, a close look at, at this, um, this text verse, 2 Corinthians 4, 7, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. If you haven't underlined that in your Bible, you ought to, because we, as human beings, want to take what is God's alone. We are to live for his purpose. We are yielding to his purpose. We are yielding to what he desires in our lives. But the excellency of the power of God in us, it's of him. It's not of us. It's not our own. God equipping us, and he has equipped you. I don't know what you've come through this week or what you have going on in the future days, but I do know that our whole society is in a giant battle, ongoing battle, for Christ's sake. And God has called upon you and he's called upon me to live as we ought to live in the darkness of our society and bring light to our culture, light to our, our world. And so often that, that gets uh, uh, clouded in our purpose for living because we have so many things we have to take care of. And we give ourselves to so many other things some good things, some bad things, but even those good things become idols to us when they take that pre predominant place, preeminent place in our lives as believers. Jesus should be all in all. This is wonderful, isn't it? It's precious to us. It's a, it's a wonderful verse. It talks about this treasure. And I believe that we could look at verse 6. Pastor Mark read that verse 6 before. Let's look at it again. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It's Jesus. 
The treasure is the presence of God himself shining out in this this earthen vessel that he has given us. Remember that when you feel like you're being kicked by society or by someone, perhaps somebody close to you, but for a purpose. God desires that in the midst of it all that you give forth the glorious light of Jesus Christ. It's our treasure, the presence of God himself shining in our earthly vessel. God's presence is a real treasure to us, a precious and a priceless treasure, and we shouldn't forget it. The truth of it all is, and that's what I, one of the things I want us to understand, is that God's presence, his very presence, you know, we, we don't come to a God who's hidden behind some veil someplace. We come openly to our God. And this is just when we come together to worship God. But you, in your own worship time, your devotional time, you have access to the very presence of God because his presence has been placed in that earthen vessel, that earthly vessel. You, me. It's placed in clay pot, so to speak. God enters into our lives. He enters into our body. A body that's like this clay pot made of pottery. And when that pottery is chipped and cracked and broken, it becomes almost like what was played for us. The idea that it's become glass, that it is you begin to see what's really in a person's life. Do you know, when you get to know a person, you see them in the down times, in the worst distressful times of their lives. And oftentimes, to God's glory, that is when you see the brilliance of our Savior. His light, his presence, and yet we have to remember that our bodies are ever weak. Our bodies are worthless. Our bodies are corruptible. Our bodies are perishable, just like that clay jar. And if you've been sick, some of you have come through COVID, some of you are back and struggling maybe even now to keep awake. But God, God has given to us in these perishable vessels his marvelous presence placed in that earthly body to bring light, light to your family, light to your school, light to your workplace, light to your neighborhood, light to your church, light to the world. And I would say to, the, to you after reading in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that God's purpose for entering your body is to show his mighty power by overcoming all the weaknesses that we bring to bear, all trials and temptations in our lives. Yes, I'm going to say temptations. All handicaps, all infirmities, even death 
itself. It's so that he may use us effectively. And here he says, if you would, in that, look at that verse again, verse 4. And it says, in whom, excuse me, in verse 7, but we have this treasure in earth and vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. It is God in you. It is Christ at the very core of your very being through the, the presence of the Holy Spirit that brings great power in your life. And it is the excellency, the great and overcoming power of God that enables you to live in victory right now in 2021. You see, the power, or not the power, but the presence of God in a life, in your life, in your heart, and in your body is power. It's God's power. It's not your power. You don't have that kind of ability. But it is power, the power of God, and it is usable as you yield to God and obey his word. We have to be people of the Bible. We have to be people who will pick up the sword of the spirit and use that sword in our lives every day. It's the power that brings conversion. It's the power of God that brings uh, uh, transformation to your lives. And why do I say that? Paul, in, uh, in the chapter just next, the fifth chapter, verse 17, says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. It is what God does in an empty life. It is what God does as he pours himself, his presence and his power into that earthen jar. Paul talks about it many places in the scripture about putting on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. But also, this is very important, and I want to, I'm near the end of what I have to say, but it's very important that we grasp this truth, and this truth is in the Word of God. And it is the power of God in this vessel, this earthen fleshly vessel. The power of deliverance, the power to deliver me from temptation and trials. Listen, I say this because in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, some of you have memorized this. It says this, there hath no temptation taken you, but is as common to man. But God is faithful. Power of his presence in the earthen vessel. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. But will 
with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Do you see what that does? It's a joyous thing. Isn't it a wonderful thing? This is a marvelous promise. It's a wonderful, wonderful truth to know that no temptation hath taken you but such as common to man. But God is faithful. But what I want you to understand is God's who's faithful. And he calls upon us because he, through his spirit living within our lives, redeemed lives, he equips us. To live in his strength and his power. And the word says he will. You will not su he will not suffer you, allow you to be tempted above that you're able. See, we don't have any excuse, do we? That sends me right to my knees before almighty God because he has taken, it's almost like he's ripped the carpet out from underneath me saying, I have given you the light and I've given you my promises, and yet you have failed again. And I have to come before him and repent because he has given me everything I need to overcome temptation. There's not a temptation that can win unless I yield to But will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Oh God, I desire to live in victory. And you've given me the way to do it. But you see, so often my focus gets off Christ, off his holy word, I become cold to the word of God, cold to what the spirit of God within me is yearning for in me. Second Corinthians chapter two, going back to the second chapter of this letter, verse 14 says, now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest the savor, the very odor of his knowledge by us in every place. That's that yielded man or woman or young person. It's the power of God. It's the power that gives me my life in Jesus Christ. Gives me life, abundant, everlasting life. Abundant right here. Everlasting from here to there. Jesus said, I come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Abundant life. Everlasting life. And so the point is this. The treasure of God's presence in my life and in your life, the presence of God in our earthly jars, our 
earthly bodies that is so frail and so absolutely weak. God's presence in us. God is doing so much for us. And all of that is wrought by him. It's not by my own hand. Therefore, this is the reason, God gets all of the glory. He gets all of the credit. Therefore, he is to be praised, even when we're down, even when we're almost out. As that verse says to us, our text verse, verse 7, says it's, it's the power the power is of God and not of us. So when you are weak, you are strong. Remember that. When you're sensing your own weakness, that is God saying, you turn to me. I am your strength. I am your power. When you are weak, you are the strongest. How? By the power of Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you this, the power of Christ Jesus is much stronger than all the combined forces of mankind upon the face of this earth. But our great need, even today I would say our great need is to acknowledge our weakness before the Lord. And I don't mean to get us into some awful place of discouragement and despondency. No, that isn't the purpose. The purpose is identifying where God's power is actually the strongest and the mightiest in the midst of the failing of an earthly body. And when you acknowledge your weakness before the Lord, the Lord pours out his grace. That's what he did for Paul. Remember, it was grace upon grace. Grace as you need it. Grace as the, as the need arises. He pours out his strength into your mind and into your heart. And he empowers us in a magnificent way to overcome and conquer all the infirmities and the weaknesses and all the trials and all of the temptations of life. When you suffer an infirmity or weakness, it gives the Lord Jesus an opportunity to infuse power. Some of you know what that word means. You've just come through some infusions to help you back, get back to life. But this is an infusion, a holy infusion. He infuses power into us to overcome the weaknesses and the powerlessness in us. And our infirmities, our weaknesses, actually gives Christ an opportunity to prove himself to us in our daily living, in our daily experience. That's why we can join Paul and say, that's why I can say I, I, I take pleasure in my infirmities. 
That's a nice way of saying general sufferings and weaknesses, moral and physical, all together. Paul says in reproaches, in the way people treat you. And it might be insult, it might be ridicule, it might be scoffing, it might be slander, it might be rumor. He enables us, his power within us enables us to allow the light of Christ to shine in the midst of all that. And this is having the very mind of Christ because his power and his presence is poured into this earthen vessel. Take hope. Take delight in his word. And open your mind and your heart to Christ that he may call the shots, so to speak, and his light may shine through even the brokenness that you've been experiencing. Let's pray, shall we?